Hey, if you are a fan of the Belonging Factor podcast, you are going to love the Belonging Factor book. My new book, Belonging Factor, How Great Brands and Great Leaders Inspire Loyalty, Build Community, and Grow Profits is now available. So get on Amazon, order your copy today, ebook, audiobook, paperback, hardcover. We've got you covered no matter what your preference. Hey, hello, it's the 10th episode of the Belonging Factor podcast. Can you believe that already? We are 10 weeks in, 11 weeks into the Belonging Factor podcast, and we have so many awesome things that have already happened, so many more to come, but this is a big deal. This is episode number 10, and you know what else? It's a big deal because of the guest we have this week. Amy Perkins is joining us from Keys to Courage, and she has an amazing story. If you're not familiar with Amy and her background, she shares it, but visit her, check out her blog. She has a podcast too that is amazing, and she also facilitates workshops, has courses available, and is a coach, a mentor, and a consultant for so many out there who are trying to find their courage to take that step and be where they belong. So this is a great interview, and I'm not going to give you any more detail. Uh, no Cliff's Notes version. I really want you to dig in, listen, take notes. And of course, if you like it, share it, spread the word, spread the gospel of the belonging factor and encourage as many other people as you can to join in, listen in and be part of what we're doing here. So connect with us, belongingfactor.com. Always send an email. I belong at belongingfactor.com. And of course, ah, uh, yeah, Twitter at belongingfactor. Love to hear from you. Love to hear what you have to say about the show. Let's dive in. All right. We are sitting down today with Amy Perkins from Keys to Courage, and I couldn't be more excited to sit and have the, the dialogue and conversation we're going to have today. So Amy, welcome, and thanks for being on the Belonging Factor podcast. Oh, thank you so much for reaching out. I'm really, really excited about this. Yeah, this this is, this is wonderful, and for our audience to be able to hear and listen to the story that uh, that you've experienced and lived and the inspiration that that can offer for all of us who've been in a position where we don't know exactly where we belong, but we know it's not here and how we mentally prepare ourselves for what has to come next. This is, I think, a much needed and very refreshing evolution. So maybe you could share for us a little bit about your background and what's led you to the place you're at right now. Sure. So 26 years ago, I started teaching elementary school. And that was my absolute passion and purpose. And I felt like I won the lottery, even though I was making $22,000 a year. I mean, when you are doing what you feel your soul's purpose is, the money, it all works out. I was able to buy my own house as a single woman in my 20s in California. I was able to pay cash for cars. I did all of this on a teaching salary. I ended up starting a tutoring business and supplemental, supplementing that income. But when you are totally aligned and doing what you know you're supposed to do and what comes naturally to you, um, everything works out and you end up with an abundance. I, I taught elementary school for nine years and then I got into consulting 
and coaching and working for the County Office of Education and doing trainings. And that also lit me up for a long time until it didn't anymore. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that moment is a moment that, that we can talk about because I, I think that's probably a common bond that so many of us share in the idea that there was a, a moment where things just weren't lighting us up. And there's so many different approaches you can take to what comes next. And in the work that I think we both do, we experience a lot of feedback and conversations from folks who have been feeling that way for a while, but they don't know how to take that next step. They know they don't belong where they're at, but what that next step is, is so scary. And so what, what was your story? What was your moment that helped you take that next step? And let's start exploring how we can help others do that. Sure. And, you know, like many people that have a major breakthrough in their life, it comes with um, a breakdown and a, and a big heartbreak or pain. And for me, that was the loss of my best friend from college. She died um, October 11th of 2016. And that was a big, fat wake-up call for me. Um, I realized how fleeting life was. And I realized I wasn't lit up by my work anymore. And I was going to dig in and do the work on myself to find what I needed to have that immense amount of joy in all areas of my life, not just my career my marriage, um, as a parent, as a friend, I wanted all of those areas of my life maximized. I didn't want to sleepwalk my way through life anymore, which is kind of where I was. It was kind of like I was just on this wheel of waking up, going through the motions. And when she died, I made a promise to her that I was going to live as amazing as a life as I could for both of us because she couldn't do it anymore. And that got me started down this path of tuning into my intuition, figuring out what my next steps were going to be. And at the time, my job, it was okay. I didn't hate it, but it was okay. What happened over the next two years, um, I was seeing a lack of integrity at work. And instead of just going with the status quo and just saying, oh, this is how it is, which is what all of the peers around me were saying, I decided that it wasn't okay and I was going to speak up. And speaking up was that first step and I wasn't getting the help that I needed. I actually asked for someone to come to a meeting with me because I was not comfortable with a man that I had to meet with. And I was told no, that I couldn't have anybody go with me to that meeting. And that was kind of the tipping point for me where I knew it was not aligned with my soul anymore. I couldn't work with these people that weren't... Um, in a space of integrity and leadership. And luckily I had the support of my husband. I didn't know what my next steps were going to be. Um, but I knew that it wasn't that career anymore. And what I tell people, especially teachers, maybe they're in a school environment where they have a leader that they aren't happy with how they're leading, or they've got a toxic coworker. You don't have to leave your career, but do take those courageous steps to apply for a job somewhere else where you can be back in that space of, in my case, you know, the people I work with in teaching, but just an environment where you can thrive. It is scary. Change is scary. Getting that resume together is scary. But I am telling you, it is so worth it. And all of the people that I've coached and worked with to get out 
of that toxic environment where they aren't happy, where they're miserable 80% of the time and only happy 20% of the time, it is worth that uncomfortable step to get into that place where you can be happy again. Yeah, I could not agree more with that sentiment, having experienced that you know, directly myself, uh, like so many out there. And w- one thing that that you know, we're talking about right now is as a as an individual, the the importance for yourself, for your your mental, emotional, physical health and well being. Not just even for you, but as you mentioned, those around you, your relationships, whether it's with a spouse or children, parents. Uh, friends who maybe the the strains and stresses of of the work life impact and influence even if it's not in a direct way it's indirectly impacting uh, the flip side of this is even for an organization around productivity and profit and output of all of those things that any organization measures as its definitions of success all of those are so adversely impacted when you have employees who are feeling disengaged and that the value alignment for them is so different than what the culture is that they are working in. So it's really not just toxic for us as individuals, but toxic for organizations and leadership of those organizations to have that type of environment. And I experienced, just as so many of our listeners have experienced, the same thing that you mentioned, which is a accepting type of environment, meaning mm-hmm. it's just how mm-hmm. it is. We accept that yep. this is how it is. We accept that, you know what, the best uh, you know, a, a achieving people are people who are doing it without integrity or, oh, that person, that's just how they are. We just work around it versus identifying what the impact is if they make that change. Why do you, why do you think that is, if, if that's even something that we can you know, answer um, in, in such a broad manner, but why, why do you think that is something that we see as pervasive and beyond just talking about that first step, what are those other keys to having the courage to, to help change that environment first? But if you can't change it, you know, the next step. Well, again, all we can control are ourselves. And I took multiple steps to rectify the situation that was happening that I was in. I went to two different supervisors, I kept reaching out for help. And all the while, like you said, all my peers, I was so, I was so upset about what was going on. And everybody around me just was like, it's just how it is. And I think what people need to understand is if you feel like I did, like, this is crazy. How is this being allowed to go on? You are not crazy. It's everybody else that's letting these toxic environments happen that are the ones. So using your voice, Taking a stand is so important. I made a video about why I quit. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. I can send you the link. But I, I was not a courageous person. I was a good girl my entire life. I just like shut up and I did what I was told until this happened. And I made a video. I didn't use names. I didn't use places. But I went through the whole thing of what happened. And that video, like it kind of went viral. First, I put it on just my Facebook page, my private Facebook page it had like 6,000 views all over I had people reaching out to me in industries all different industries saying I I was in the same case I had a toxic boss I had a this person did the same thing I cried in my car every day I felt so helpless and thank you for speaking up I had 
presidents of companies, CEOs, superintendents from all over the world reaching out to me, thanking me for sharing my story. Because I think what happens is we're so used to being told there's nothing you can do about it that we just accept that. And, and I'm just saying, like, you don't have to accept that. You can speak up. You can take steps. You can apply for a job in a different space, especially if you're valuable. And I assume that your listeners, because they're wanting to grow and they're into the self-development spaces, they are valuable employees. And you just need to know your worth. And that's one of the things, you know, that self-belief that I started finding to where I knew I was valuable. And that was one of the keys for me to be able to step away, was believing in myself and believing in my value. What a perfect way to to just sum it up is to believe in yourself and believe in your value. And you, having gotten to know your story in more depth, uh, you, you mentioned it very briefly, but the, the idea of being uh, the, the good girl or the, the pleaser, always wanting to fulfill mm-hmm. what somebody else's yep. uh, expectations of you were and not mm-hmm. even giving room for you to think that you might have expectations for yourself yet alone mm-hmm. go try to fulfill them. Uh, yep. And clearly that is uh, an epidemic for countless millions of us who seek to have meaningful connection with others and seek to make other people uh, happy. And we don't necessarily know our path to do that. And so we do it through placating to their expectations of us. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that you found a way to do that now by serving your values and yourself, but still making others happy and improving and impacting others in a positive way. In fact, I'm not going to assume. I'm going to just share that for myself. Personally, having been positively impacted by your messages and the work you do. So I know that that's possible. And for those who are sitting in an environment right now, whether it's personal or professional, where they feel stuck in that inability to break into doing what fulfills and aligns with their values while also mm-hmm. having positive impact for others. Mm-hmm. What's your encouragement for, for them? So it's, it's absolutely possible. And a couple things. One, when I started putting myself out on social media, the first video I ever uploaded my nine-year-old son helped me upload it to YouTube about a year and a half ago. And I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. And it wasn't because the message that I had to share, it wasn't about that. I knew it was impactful. I wanted to make this video because I had read a book, Mel Robbins' five-second rule book. Mm. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, oh, yes. but the, the premise is you have an impulse to act on an action that's scary, something that is you're scared to do and you have five seconds to act on that and you count backwards in your head five four three two one and then you take action well i needed that rule to get out of my own way i was paralyzed in fear and i think people that are those rule followers like we end up fearful um because we just want to do everything right i am an extremely high performer and um what came along with that was just this fear but I use that rule and I was telling everybody in my life my personal life about it and and all these people were making massive changes and I thought 
there's people that don't know about this that need to know. Because again, I was a high performer. I have a master's degree. I was a really smart woman, but I was paralyzed in fear. And I wanted people to know about this tool in this book. And so I just felt compelled to make this video and share it. I was scared about what people were going to say. I'm in my mid forties. I do not look like the perfect person that you want to see on TV. That was what I was terrified about. Like just getting negative feedback because as you know, everybody's a critic and I pushed through that fear and I posted that video and I got 10 views, 20 views, 30 views, a hundred views, a thousand views. It kept going and going and I was blown away. I think it has 20,000 views. The first video I ever put on YouTube, my nine-year-old did. I didn't even know how to do it. And what that gave me was like pushing through fear and that massive level, realizing it's okay if I get criticism. I do. I mean, I talk about kindness, compassion, being courageous, and I get people basically telling me to go kill myself. Wow. On, on social media, it's crazy. But I have realized it is not me. It is them. And we have a lot of miserable people out there. We have a lot of people in a lot of pain. And it is worth it for me to share my message. If I get those negative messages, which I do, I get way more positive. But those negative ones still shock me. They kind of take my breath away. Um, but it's so worth it. It is worth showing up. It is worth shining your light. It is worth sharing a message if you feel that you have a message to share. That's encouraging in and of itself and also inspiring to reflect on what, what I'm hearing beneath all of this. And this is a theme that seems to just be so recurrent in at the Belonging Factor podcast. And it's a word that can get overused, but in the right context is so valuable and that's being authentic or authenticity. Right. And, yeah, and yeah. The, the change of your life and the change of my life and the change of the lives of so many out there when they stop trying to please others through the, through the other person's viewpoint or expectation and started being themselves and putting themselves out there in a vulnerable way. And I think vulnerability mm -hmm. is, is probably the greatest barrier to that step that you've been talking about, which is just put yourself mm -hmm. out there. Um, yeah. And, and not, and, and the other piece, and, and this is relevant and important for us to talk about is still that idea of, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to put myself out there, but what do other influencers look like? What do the backgrounds look like in their videos? Where do they shoot their stuff? And trying to emulate others is still in some way uh, divesting your authenticity to the what you think things should look like. And yeah, it's great to have something that you know avoids distractions when people are watching or listening, but it's even more impressive to see a person who is just authentic and genuinely themselves back to your point of a video shot by a nine-year-old very first video posted on YouTube at 20,000 plus views and all of the reactions. So that, that idea of being authentically you, do you have, mm -hmm. do you have a, 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 a message, a system, a test that you could recommend for our listeners yes. about how to, how to take stock of what, what is your authentic self? Yeah. So it's, it's been a journey and it's been interesting. And I started due to me having zero technological skills. 
like, here's the other thing, people, anything is possible. I'm going to be 47 years old. I probably know less tech than anybody listening. I have created a podcast. I have a newsletter that goes out every week. I have a website. I, it's, it's crazy what you can do when you believe in yourself and you're just determined to learn. I've learned all of this on my own. And it's pushing through fear. It's being okay, not getting it right, not being perfect. I have the story I told myself that I wasn't a good writer. And it's because of other people telling me I wasn't a good <laughs> writer. And I have this weekly newsletter that goes out. And I have people saying, your words are like magic on the screen. And it's crazy to me. I write like I talk. So that's one thing I had to get through. Like I had this message to share. I wanted to share my story because I knew it could help someone because I knew it would have helped me. That is really where this all came from. Like I knew there was one person out there like me that needed to hear this. And so instead of worrying about how I wrote, worrying about if I sounded smart, I just wrote like I would talk to a friend. And, and for me, that's my authentic self. And it worked for the videos. I started my first video after that one that we did in the backyard that my son helped me with. The lighting was good in my kitchen. I don't have lighting. I don't have a single lighting apparatus. And so I have a big sliding glass door. And I did know that you want light facing you. And so I set up my phone. I propped it up. I have a phone. That's how I film all my videos. And my, sometimes I get over 200,000 views a week on my videos now. And I have a phone. That is it. And I started shooting these videos. My background was my kitchen just because of the lighting. I got people telling me, you need a set. You're not wearing the right clothes. You're not in the right thing. And I just <laughs> didn't care. I just didn't care what they said. Um, now I still get people telling me what I need to wear, where I need to be. I don't think any of these people shoot video personally. I've never had someone that I know is another creator come at me with criticism um, I'm all about feedback, but if I'm sharing a message and you're worried about my background, you're not the right listener and that's okay. And I'm not trying to have a message that everybody wants to hear. There's very specific people that need to hear it and they don't care what my background is. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And, and that's, I think, a, a very advanced evolutionary step in thinking, uh, there, there are specific people who need to hear the message and it's not for everyone. And that's okay. No, because how much of a departure is that? Honestly, how much of a departure is that from, you know, Amy 20 years ago, 10 years ago? Well, I'm sure as heck never would have been on video. I mean, right. it literally that choice of even doing a video, it was, it was like terrifying. It was terrifying. Um, again, I didn't, I felt like I didn't have the look I needed to have and I was too old. And I, it was pushing past that. Like, I get it. It's scary to show up, but I'm telling you show up because somebody needs to hear what you have to say. And my goal is never to have, I'm not going to have the top podcast. I record my podcast in my walk-in closet and I don't edit anything because I couldn't download the editing software on my Chromebook. And the first person to hear my first episode with Seth Godin, who is just like a huge hero of mine. Um, if your listeners don't know who he is, he's an author of 18 books. Some of those books got me started on knowing what was going on at my job was not right. Um, his book, The Purple Cow, and This Is Marketing, and Lynchpin mm -hmm. were all pivotal in my journey. 
he was the first person that listened to my first episode and he told me that it was moving and it was magical. And so that is really all I need. If nobody else ever listens to my podcast, the fact that Seth Godin heard my first episode and told me to keep going, I am going to keep going. (laughs) Go ahead. No, I was just going to say numbers do not matter to me. I really put anything I put out there for that one person. And I think because I do that, I can't show up as myself. I'm not worried about what people say. And I know the right people are going to find it. And the reality is at this point, um, much more than Seth are just listening to your podcast. Speaking of, where can our listeners go catch your podcast right now if they want to listen? So it's on all platforms. It's on iTunes. Again, the fact that me, this like 46-year-old middle-aged mama to launch your own podcast on iTunes. If I can do it, anybody can. Like anybody can do this stuff. You just have to take action. (laughs) I agree. I agree. So all platforms catching, that's the Keys to Courage podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. uh, I'm a fan. I'm a listener. I'm a subscriber. And I highly recommend it to uh, those who... Are, this message is resonating with it, it it's for you uh no doubt no doubt about it and so uh so y- you've you've been able to yourself make some big changes in your life and as a result decided that there has to be at least one other person out there who this could benefit and turns out it might be a couple more than that and that's i'm sure been fulfilling to, to this point, what is it that keeps you going down this path that you're on right now every single day? I mean, I truly feel like I was living my life purpose at 21 teaching those little babies that I taught, those kindergartners, those first, second, third graders. I am still living my life purpose. I'm just teaching in a different way. Teaching is in my soul. I'm a teacher. And I share my personal stories because I know that quotes, they don't mean anything. There's people out there just regurgitating quotes. I want to see someone that is walking the talk. And that's what I do. I'm living this. And so I'm sharing my life so that people can see that they can do it too. And honestly, (laughs) I love that I've had thousands of people reach out to me from all over the world and say how my work has impacted them and the stories that I share. But the impact this has had on my family, oh my God, that has been the biggest, the biggest gift of all of this. I have a 16-year-old daughter. I have a 10-year-old son. They have seen me do some really scary things. And if tomorrow I got my terminal diagnosis, I could go knowing my kids are going to be fine. They've got these lessons that I didn't have. They know that failing isn't just okay. They know that striving to fail is what they should be doing. Because if you are not failing, you are not trying hard enough. And I lived my entire life safe. I didn't want to make mistakes. I wanted to only do things that I knew that I could succeed at. And wow, did I hold myself back. And now I'm literally leaping into the unknown. And every time I fail, it stings for a bit, but then I pick myself up and I know that that's the universe directing me in a new direction. And my kids know that. Yeah. The, the work that, that uh, we do, not even the work we do, the lives we lead are being observed by so many and no stronger impression is being made than those closest to us, our children usually. 
And what, what a great way to, to really sum up what helps continue to motivate and drive what you do is that it's the ability to just continue having that impression and impact and, and uh, how fantastic to have already felt like, you know, if, if now's the time, God forbid, um, that things are okay. There's a good, good example out there. Yeah. And, you know, with my friend passing away, I look at everything so differently. And, and now if there's anybody out there that wants to create, you want to write a book, you want to start a podcast, you want to start a blog, whatever you want to start, whatever project, start it. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed. And, and my friend Tracy that died, she wanted to write a book. She never got that chance. And so part of me sharing what I share, I wrote down like a year and a half ago, Tracy's story will be known worldwide. I did not know how that was going to happen. It was before I had any presence on any platform. But I feel like that's part of my purpose too, to share her story because she didn't get a chance to do it. And, and don't wait for tomorrow. Like start today because you don't know if you have tomorrow. That's encouraging, beyond, beyond encouraging. Uh, it has to start today. So if there, were, if there were two things that you could say today, no matter where you're at in your journey, uh, any of our listeners might be sitting at various points, what are two things you would recommend today to just get the ball rolling? It, it's maybe not that big, great, massive step, but it's the one that sets your path. When something comes up that you want to do and it scares you, that is the thing you need to do. Do it anyway. Start doing, do the scary things every single day. I started doing little things that scared me. They, I've done some humongous things. I asked for a job that didn't exist in a group of 2,000 people. I've done little and big, but that has been the biggest thing that has changed my entire life is facing fear feeling it and doing that thing anyway, day after day after day. I don't need that five second rule anymore. And if there's anybody listening that does feel they're kind of paralyzed by fear and that things hold them back, get her book, download it, the five second rule. She's got a TED talk. I think it has 18 million views. That will help you start living your best life. When you can push through fear, you can do anything. Uh, th that's perfect. Th that is the perfect step and likely the one that's much easier to overcome than any of us give ourselves enough credit for in the moment, right? It is. It is. It's, it's easier. Little things. I mean, for me, it was, it was speaking an idea to somebody that I was terrified they were going to think it was a stupid idea. I did things that were terrifying, that your terrifying thing is going to be different than mine. My terrifying thing now is different than me a year and a half ago. But whatever terrifies you, I'm telling you, it's not stupid. It's a real fear, but you need to push through it and do it. And now when there's something that comes up, an idea that's scary, I literally launch myself toward it. I know that is the thing I need to do because on the other side of that fear is magic. Ooh, yeah, I like that. On the other side of that fear is magic. It's magic. I mean, it, it is magic. Taking what we've talked about as for individuals and, and even the little bit we've talked about for organizations and thinking about culture and the culture of belonging. And, you know, as I mentioned, kind of at the top of this, the, the notion that 
making a big change and having the courage to take control of your life and set it on your course is really, truly identifying where you belong and identifying if where you belong currently, whether it's professional or personal circumstances, if that aligns properly or not for your values. And if it doesn't, again, taking those those steps to really own and change and create the life that is yours, that's huge. And that that's that's an important piece of this. Now, the other piece is within an organizational structure, culture, we have a lot of leaders who listen to the podcast. So what are some of the things that you have experienced, seen, or could give insight on from an organizational culture standpoint that empowers employees to have that voice in their organization, to have that that uh, cultural fit? And what are some of the things you've seen as a result of any businesses you've you've worked with doing that? So when I reflect back on part of why I loved what I did so much as a new teacher, it was because I was constantly getting feedback from my students. Kids are real. They don't sugarcoat anything. And when you get feedback on from these little people that they cannot wait to come to school, that school is their favorite place to be, it fuels you to do a better job. What I didn't have, I didn't get that in leadership. And as I got out of the classroom and into a leadership role, I didn't have any leaders telling me that I was doing a good job. People need to be recognized. They need that. I'm intrinsically motivated. And I had these teachers that I was coaching, thanking me for the work that I was doing with them. But how much more powerful would it have been if I would have had leaders recognizing me and letting me know the value that they had? I didn't ever get that. So what I do now as a work, as work, as a consultant and a coach, I work with a multiple seven figure pediatric dental practice as one of my clients. And I've worked with her on the importance of letting her team know very specifically the value that they have, the value that they are doing and what they're doing right. And it's just like what these kids, when I was a teacher, when you tell them what they're doing right, they're going to do more of what they're doing right because they want to please you. And so what this leader, this dentist, this business owner has been doing is specifically telling all of her employees what she sees, what she likes. And it's like a domino effect. She'll tell one, I really like how you did the charting like this today. And two others will overhear that. And before she knows that they're all doing the charting like that. And it's so easy, but it's something that leaders don't do. I just don't think they're even aware of it. I think people think they're telling people that they're important or they think that they're telling them what they want to see. But if you're not seeing that in your culture, I'm telling you, you're not telling people what, what they're doing that you want to see. So get very specific on telling people what they're doing right, and you're going to get more of that in your organization. Sounds so simple. <laughs> it sounds it, it so really, simple. It really is. I, I agree. And it, it starts with the decision and you know, falling all the way back to the beginning of your story and each of those decision points and my story and the story of so many who are listening. It's the that same uh, mantra over and over is you just have to take action. 
action. We can think, we can talk, we can theorize, we can have the best plans. And as soon as you take action, and that's why I wanted to ask you that question about what's a step we can do today that may not be that big evolutionary leap, but it gets the path moving. And, mm -hmm. and your feedback was, was so perfect because that action will lead to another action and another action. And as inhibition is lowered, uh, you the, the resistance to fear is still going to be there, but the confidence and courage to continue overcoming each of those things is there. We find ourselves living in supporting and working with others who are doing the same thing and encouraging them to do the same thing. So really, I see this as, as a community people movement much more than it is something that is just good for business. Yes, it is good for business. Happy people are great for business, but man, happy people are just great people, great stewards of community and fellowship, right? Absolutely. Cool. So, um, so what, what, uh, what projects do you have going on or what's, what's kind of coming down the pipeline that people can reach out to you or, or, or see you doing or connect with you and, uh, and get a chance to experience? So I, again, my podcast is on all platforms. I've got a free weekly newsletter that I created just out of a, a need to serve. And it's so funny because when I started this, I had people in my life saying, why are you doing this? You're not getting paid. No, I just felt there was one person out there that needed <laughs> that needed to know that all of these steps I was taking and the results that I was getting because you can implement it in your life. And that's what my newsletter is. It's, it's not selling anything. It's, it's truly, I took this step. I got this result. Here's a step you can take. This book changed my mindset. Here's a book recommendation. This podcast opened my mind in this way. Like, here's a podcast you could try. That is what my newsletter is. Um, I'm speaking at all different kinds of engagements. I've got a conference in Napa on joy that I'll be speaking at in the fall. I'm going to San Diego to speak to some women leaders. Um, I, I, I'm speaking to different classrooms and schools all over and all different messages, whatever the host, of the event has seen of my work and I tie it in. It's, it's just what I've lived. Um, I spoke at an amazing conference in March, women in power in Napa. And that message was on collaboration over competition. And that is something that I think so many people have wrong. When we collaborate, you are going to get so much further. And this, this dentist that I'm working with, we're collaborating on so many things and and when you can wrap your mind around that abundance mindset, I think so many people are in that scarcity mindset that if one person is succeeding, it takes something away from you. And that's another thing that I really feel passionate about sharing, especially with women. I feel like there's a big competition thing out there that's just so silly. I have a, a mastermind that I started. There's five of us, five local business women, business owners. We meet at my house twice a month. And the events that we're planning and, and the power that we've had by coming together and just lifting each other up, it, it is just something that people need to wrap their heads around, that competing is not the way to go, that lifting someone up, that cheering someone on is the way to get ahead. That's fantastic. 
point of view and perspective to take, particularly in the business environment where when we talk about income and profits and all those things, it usually is in a competitive environment. Others are providing a similar service or product. And so it's just kind of a natural reaction to to stick into competing rather than let's make our industry a little bit better. Let's make people more interested in what we offer. Let's work on some stuff together. Uh, let's understand where our differentiations are. You know, not that we're going to collude or anything to to really corner the market, but more so that we're going to be good stewards of community, of fellowship, and of this idea that we can we can all win if we support and help Ab- each other. We can all win. Absolutely, and and you know, back to the example with my client, the dentist. She is not the dentist for every single kid in our area, and and we really honed in on her ideal client. And it's very specific. And the really cool thing that we do is we refer people out to other pediatric dentists if we're not the right fit for them. And I think when you can wrap your head around, you're not trying to sweep your net and get everybody, that you're trying to get very specific people, it's so empowering and it's freeing. And then you've got this reciprocation with other business owners referring people to you because they realize that client isn't a fit for you, but they're a perfect fit for someone else. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's amazing. And back to the idea of belonging, not everybody belongs in every place. And so if, no. if, if not only we can understand where we fit and where we belong, but also just help align others. And the best way to do that yes. is to know what else is out there and why somebody you're working with might fit better somewhere else. Uh, I think it, most consultants have also been in that situation where they realize that, that uh, this may not be the best relationship for me to serve you and your needs. There's this person who I've come to know as a very, very great consultant who I feel aligns better with what you need to achieve. And it gets, you know, we recommend each other out, I think frequently, at least that's my experience. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And I I think that's really powerful. And if you think that you can serve everybody, you're going to end up serving nobody. Ooh, I, I think that's a great last line for, for, for our audience today. If you say that one more time, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> if you think that you can serve everybody, you're going to end up serving nobody. Period. End of podcast. <laughs> that, that, is, that, that is, a, that is a, a perfect takeaway to help inspire and remember some of the important things that we've discussed today. So, so let's, let's one more time, let our audience know how they can connect with you and, and where they can find you online. So keys to courage.com and that houses podcast and that houses blog and also ability to s- subscribe to the newsletter. Yep. I'm on Instagram too, at keys to courage. Awesome. Instagram at keys to courage. And of course, it sounds like LinkedIn is uh, another great resource to connect with Amy and what she's got going on as well. Now, um, I hear that, that, uh, that you're, you have a little pet project going on to, uh, to give back into the community through a, a really cool wine project. You want you to tell a little bit about that? Sure. And this is the thing. If, if you have an idea, don't dismiss it. We don't get dreams and ideas that aren't things we can execute. And I, I have this idea because I, I wear these keys 
that are engraved with words to keep myself like on the path of empowering myself to believe in myself. My first key that I was ever gifted said believe on it. And I'm all about words. I wear inspirational shirts with inspirational phrases. And I've probably helped sell thousands of keys, thousands of shirts of other people's things. And people kept asking, oh, do you sell these shirts? No, I don't. And I, this thing flew into my head that I could create a wine that would be bottled to inspire one glass at a time for people to know that anything was possible. And I brought this idea to a friend that I have in Napa. She loved it. We have this wine that we're creating right now. The brand is called Every Gal. Gal stands for Jeanette, Amy, and Lori. The three of us are doing this. And the front of the bottle is going to say anything is possible. It's bottled to inspire. There's going to be two angel wings on the back of the bottle. One for my dear friend that passed away, Tracy. And one, my friend Lori that's doing the project with me, she was in a really, really dark place. Her other best friend, her daughter was murdered in November. There was a mass shooting in California, the borderline shooting in Thousand Oaks. Mm -hmm. And our friend's daughter, Elena, was the youngest victim. She was 18. She was a Pepperdine freshman. And that little girl was like a daughter to my friend Lori. And you can imagine how hard it is to find joy after something like that happens. And I think I was meant to bring this project to Lori because it gave her something to focus on, a way to give back, to do good. We're going to have our proceeds from our first um, event go toward Elena's Voice, which is the foundation that Elena's parents, Hannah and Eric Housley, started after their daughter died. And we just want to be this way to make a difference. Lori has since said, like she said, Amy, you pulled me out of the darkness. So even if, we don't sell a bottle of this wine, which I know we will. <laughs> I made a difference for my friend Lori. And and that serves ultimately your purpose and, and helps with what your mission is and what we've talked about here today, which is to just be you. Do what aligns with your values. Be a good person. Treat others right, and good things will come as a result of it. So, so that's... Uh, Every Gal Chardonnay that is uh, bottled to inspire. I love that. And I, I'm guessing through any socials, uh, once the wine is ready to launch out to market, everybody will be able to, to grab up their it'll bottles. It'll be on my social media. Yeah, honestly, it'll probably just be, um, it'll be pretty, we're going to have a pretty limited, we're only going to start with 127 cases and have events in California, but all that'll be on all my social media um, on how you can be involved. And we, we're just so excited. And if nothing else, just just knowing that if you have a dream or a thought, you can make it happen. I mean, here I am. Like, I've got my own wine label coming out. I've got a podcast on iTunes. I'm a consultant and a dental practice. And my background is in education. I mean, you can do anything if you take action, if you push through fear, if you don't listen to the outside noise, and if you believe in yourself. What a perfect ending to a phenomenal show and a phenomenal interview. I really appreciate you, Amy, taking the time to talk to the Belonging Factor audience and share your story and some keys to being courageous 
for all of us and help us figure out how we can pr promote and experience a sense of belonging in this crazy, amazing world that we all live in. So Amy Perkins, Keys to Courage, find her online, find her on socials, keystocourage.com. Amy, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Maybe you've lost time and money or you're losing the wrong people. Or you just have a conflicted culture that's searching for the truth. Or it could be something like productivity loss and people are just stressed. Either way, perhaps we should talk. I'd love to work with you and share with you through my keynotes, highly engaging workshops, coaching and consulting services, how we can bring the power of belonging factor and the tools we've developed to your organization and meet these challenges with real solutions that involve people, refine process, and help you deliver better profits. So visit belongingfactor.com or rudimentsolutions.com today. Thank you for listening to The Belonging Factor, and I look forward to working with you and your teams.